Good day. Welcome. Thank you for being here today with us. Uh, we're bragging on Jesus, and I just pray that um, God will bless you as you listen to a few short messages today. Uh, my devotion this morning was in uh, Psalm 50, and it's uh, Tim Keller's book on um, the Psalms. And I just this passage just really jumped out to me in that, and um, some other passages and uh, books I've been reading. Just this all comes together here. Let me read this. Psalm 50, verse 16, but to the wicked God says, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. If you see a thief, you are pleased with him and you keep company with adulteresses. You give your mouth, you keep, you keep your mouth, um, you give your mouth free reign for evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I have been silent. You thought I was one like yourself, but now I rebuke you and lay the charge against you. Mark then this, that you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. I believe in our lives so many times a day that um, people um, <clears throat> claim to know Jesus Christ. Um, they're church members. Um, they're faithful in their attendance and stuff like that. But truly in the gospel, they don't trust fully in what Christ has done in the cross. They trust in their own works. They trust in themselves. And then there's others who um, forget God, truly forget God. I mean, I think I'm guilty of that. Uh, we were talking last night in a Bible study about how we truly, fully trust God. And we even came up to the idea that do we only really truly fully trust God is when we're going through suffering, when we're totally dependent on God. I mean, like today, we can pray today and say, God, um, speak through me. God, um, help me to encourage somebody. Help me to confront somebody and, and speak truth and love. All those things. But it's like are we really only trust God when there's a conflict or something's going on or, or there's a performance of some sort rather than saying, I got to trust God for every moment. And I think we're all guilty of forgetting God. I mean, we can say, well, I, I don't forget God, you know, I'm, I'm going to walk straight, I'm going to be moral, um, and make it a morality thing. But I just want to us, us to come back to, to truly brag on Christ. We have to say we have a relationship with him. And if we have a relationship, it doesn't matter the circumstances. We will truly trust him. We'll truly depend on him, and we won't forget him. I mean, none of us forgets our wives None forgets our family, our moms. And, and here it's like this guy even forgets um, his own mother's son. And he, he hangs out with the wrong company and stuff like that. And we need to walk with the righteous so we can um, glorify God. And, and glorifying God is not so much what we do, but it's what God does through us. I mean, there's four manifestations God uh, shows us. He, he says in, his, um, in nature, here's my glory. He says, in my son Jesus Christ, here's my glory. In, in the word, here's my glory. And in the gospel, he says, here's my glory. Those four things. And I like what Jesus says in, in, in John chapter 5. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So to be walking in God's will, to be walking in God's path, is to be in a relationship with him and only seeking what he wants. It's denying ourself. It's, it's giving everything to Jesus Christ. It says, Jesus kind of rebukes people later on in John chapter 5. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them 
you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Eternal life is not in the scriptures. The scriptures speak truth about the Son and the glory of the Son. You refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people. And then he goes on, he says, this is why people refuse um, to come to Christ and, and glorify him and honor him as he lives through us. He says, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. That only happens in a relationship. When you know that God loves you. I mean, yeah, we can hear great sermons and we can say, oh man, or a great chorus or a great song and say, God loves me. He truly, truly loves me. But do we dwell on that and do we, do we enjoy that? Do we dwell in his presence and just worship him? And he says, um, people don't do that. He says, I've come in my father's name and you did not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? The scriptures point to Christ. And to believe on him is not just to say, I believe they died on the cross, I believe in the resurrection, and that's the gospel, but to truly have a relationship that results of that, not just the facts. I mean, we have to come back to them sometimes when we, in our emotions, are distracted, um, but when we're distracted in our emotions or distracted in our life because we're participating in all kinds of sins, and, you know, you might not be an adulterer, you might not be a um, thief, but I think we all struggle with our tongue. As Psalm 50 says, we gossip. We gossip, and we say it like it's a prayer request or something. Um, or just for your information, you need to know this. Or we go run to the pastor and say, you need to know this about these people. And, like, you know, why don't we go and lovingly speak the truth to them and care for them and develop a relationship with them rather than just talk about them? I think we do that in our minds, in our hearts, because we don't really want a relationship with God. Hebrews 1 says this, and I think we need to remember this, that as we... Um, I want to brag on Christ as we want to make sure that we're not ones who forget God. We're not ones who um, stay away from God, don't truly believe in him because we want glory of what people will say, what men are saying around us. But if we really truly want the glory of Christ and we want him empowering us in his spirit to work through us and we want to be obedient to the word of God, we have to see him as glorious. We have to see him as in a relationship with him where we love to pray. And we love to read the word so we can understand more and more about him. And we love fellowship with other believers so we can learn from one another and not just be out there on an island by ourselves. We need each other. We need God all the time. Don't forget God. Don't seek the glory of other people and get distracted from the glory of God. Um, Hebrews says, but in these last days, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed, the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And Hebrews goes on talking about that intimate relationship we can have with Christ. Be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't just believe facts. Don't just say the Christian, Christian thing. Truly love God and be in relationship with him. Let us hunger for him. Let us thirst for him. 
and he's the only true satisfaction in the world. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And we ask, Lord, that you um, would just prick our hearts. And maybe on a scale of 1 to 10, maybe um, of 1 being shallow and, and 10 being truly intimate with you, show us today where we are with you in our relationship with you. Father, we ask and we, we cry out to you that we would not be in sin, practicing sins, and, and trying to say, well, I'm a Christian, and I'm, it's okay, Lord. That we would be broken. We would be repentant. And Lord, when we come in repentance to you and in brokenness, you are quick to heal. And you are so, so quick to love because you have a steadfast love for us. Let us remember that. But let us not take it for granted and forget you and be distracted for the glory of men rather than your glory and your blessings in our life. And Lord, let us see again and again, moment by moment, the radiance of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of the cross, the, the power of the resurrection. And let it live in our hearts moment by moment, always, Lord. And let us live for your glory, denying ourselves, living for your joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So um, th there's there's no better way I can say this. I am at my core a Star Wars fan. Um, the very first movie I can remember seeing in theaters was uh, the Episode One, The Phantom Menace. And then as a child, I, I grew up with the the prequel trilogy, so I'm I'm not as not as cool as those that got to grow up with the original trilogy. I wish, because it's far superior, I think, but uh, uh, in my humble opinion. But it ha it's had such a lasting impact on me, and, and actually, um, a, a lot of us. Um, and so what, I, what I'd like to do today is, is try to see, is there any good, valuable things that we can see in Star Wars that kind of point to a gospel truth? Um, and and I, I, think, I think that is, that, that is true. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give three for today. Um, three things that we can see in Star Wars that help point to uh, something bigger, something greater. So the, the first one I'd like to talk about is even if you don't like Star Wars or you haven't seen Star Wars, chances are you're still pretty familiar with it. And, that, and that's amazing to think about, to think about how like even the people that hate it the most are like, well, we know that Darth Vader is the baddest of all bad dudes, but he's not the, the most bad dude. There's some other guy, the Emperor and it's all about how you can use like this thing where you can move things and there's laser swords and and we know an awful lot about it and even like we can we can go on to start quoting it like uh luke i am your father that's it's not the right quote but we know it right and we know that like the little green guy he's he speaks in in weird ways do or do not there is no try and, and we know uh, we, we know all sorts of other things. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Like even, uh, even the people that hate Star Wars understand that. It, and the same is true for Christianity. Like we, we know truths about God. Even if you hate God, you know truths about God. We display all sorts of things of, of, of God's truth, even if we're subconsciously 
don't know about it. And there's, there's even scripture to back that up in Romans 1 verses 19 and 20 speaks to how we, we know God and it's, it's plainly seen even though he's invisible. Um, the gospel has that kind of impact on us. Like any time that someone gives forgiveness in a hard circumstance, that's a picture of the gospel. Anytime uh, we, see, we experience beauty, that's, that's, that's God in, in that, creating that. So, so it's much bigger than just, just the movies, that, and I think that's really cool. Um, the, the second one I'd, I'd like to point out is the entire main story, um, with, with little exception, is about rise, fall, and redemption. Uh, so if you, if you go back to the prequels, if you have to watch Star Wars as I did, so I start with episode one and go all the way through now episode eight, um, you see a little boy who's got a lot of potential, and, and they even tell him that over and over again, like, you're, you're the chosen one, Anakin. And they build up all this, this, uh, this, this greatness ahead of him, and then he falls. He falls into temptation by a dark, evil force uh, that's filled, filled with selfish ambition and, and self-seeking and self-promoting. And he falls, but fortunately, that's not where his story ends. Uh, if you continue on into the original trilogy, you know by episode six, spoiler alert, um, Darth Vader, who was Anakin Skywalker, is redeemed in the end. And he, and he lays down his own life for, for his son, Luke. Um, and it's amazing how you can go from so much potential to so much wrong where he's one of the most hated people in the, in the whole galaxy and he, he is filled with so much evil and then redeemed at the end and becomes a hero and, and gets to join, be one with the force. So uh, any gospel truth there? Well, all of the gospel is about the rise, fall, and redemption of us. So we're, when, when, the, when God created, it was all perfect. It was all amazing. It was all just as he intended, and then sin entered the world, and we fell, and we're separated from God, and then Christ entered the story and, and brought sacrificial redemption to us so that we can be joined to Jesus again, so that we can be redeemed, so that we can be forgiven, so that we no longer have to, to, have to be slaves to sin, slaves to wickedness, but we can be his, ultimately. And so... I challenge you to, to think about your own story and uh, and maybe even think about this in Star Wars. We kind of have a tendency to see Anakin as like the Jesus figure because they tell him he's the he's the chosen one. But truthfully, we're more like Anakin than he is like Jesus. He's deeply flawed. He gives in to temptation and uh, is full-blown into sin, and the majority of his life is spent that way. And instead of using his incredible gifts for good, he uses them to destroy, he uses them to to, to seek his own promotion. At the end of his life, however, he's redeemed. So how do you fit into that? What, what good gifts has God given you and potential has God set up for you that you're not using for his glory? Give it over to, to him. Trust in Jesus and you can be redeemed. You don't, don't have to be a slave to unrighteousness anymore. And so here's, here's the fourth thing, and this is probably... The best is sacrifice. In every single movie in Star Wars, there's some kind of sacrifice. And this is what Jesus had to say about sacrifice. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for one's friends. So over and over again, this I mean, that's one of the last things Jesus would, would tell his disciples before being delivered over to the Romans to be killed, predicting his own death. He, he also... Um, 
he, he wouldn't be done there, but he was going to lay down his own life. And all throughout Star Wars, you see Obi-Wan laying down his life to, so that they can escape the Death Star. The entire movie Rogue One is about how they're, they're sacrificing themselves to get the plans to the Death, Death Star to de- defeat evil. Man, I cannot help but see those and think of Jesus. Like, any time, in any movie, really, you, if you see someone laying down their own life and saying to, to spare someone else's, you should think of Jesus. Because that's so ingrained in us to, 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 to respond well to those things in the right way. And, and we see those, those are heroes because they laid down their life. That was Jesus who had left all glory in heaven to lay down his life for us so that we could live, so that we could be connected to, to God in, in, a, in a relationship that is satisfying and fulfilling. So there's just a few things. There, there's plenty more that I could talk about, but just a few short things just about Star Wars, which is my, my favorite set of movies that, that help point to to the glory of God and how amazing he is. Thank you. All right, uh, today I would like to look at a parallel between physically being born and spirit as a baby, and and growing as as a, as a child physically, and uh, being a healthy person, in relationship to being born spiritually and having a healthy relationship with Christ. All right, there's three particulars I want to talk about today. Number one, when a baby first opens his eyes for the first time, uh, they begin to see a whole new world that. If they did not have physical eyes, if they were not born physically, they would not be able to see this physical world, right? So, but they can because they're born with spiritual or physical eyes. So that's the one particular. Uh, the second is something else starts happening when a baby is born. Now, I've never had children, so you, you, you guys have to witness to this and tell me if it's right. But a baby begins crying pretty quick after they're born. Is that right, Daniel? Okay. I see Jandy's on Facebook. Is that right, Jandy? They, they don't stop till parents come. Well, uh, yeah. They, really? Okay. Well, I, I believe at least they don't, they cry before they, they laugh, right? That, to the best of my knowledge, right? All right. So, and that's kind of weird to me because they say that it takes less muscles to, to smile than it does to frown, and we're born crying and frowning. And we, it doesn't take long before we learn that talent can help us get our way throughout life. And then we use aspects of that, I think, the rest of our life on how to get our way because of that. So, so there's number two. And then number three that I want to parallel is it doesn't take long before we begin another cycle uh, in life that continues the rest of our life, and that is eating. So we taste food, and we like it. So we start eating, and we grow, and we eat the rest of our life. So here's a comparison. There's also a way to be born spiritual in nature. And Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
So that word see brings us back to the eyes. When we're born spiritually in Christ, he gives us spiritual eyes to see the things of God that we would not be able to see if we only had physical eyes, right? We can now see things of God's kingdom. Uh, And without these spiritual quickened eyes, the gospel of Jesus and how he died on the cross and rose from the grave and and how he took our sins and paid, paid our penalty for sin, those things would not be beautiful to our eyes. They, they're boring to us, right? Uh, two identical twins walked into a museum in France to, to look at the, the Mona Lisa, and it was corded off, and they, they got as close as they could, and the first twin looked at the Mona Lisa, looked down and looked back up once, and then pulled their smartphone out and started playing games and walked away, okay? The second looked at the Mona Lisa and thought it was awesome. It was beautiful. And this person stood there for an hour looking at the brush strokes and thinking about the, the, the one that painted it and what it all meant. It was beautiful to them. And, um, and so for us, that's the same way with Jesus. We, Jesus is beautiful to us if we believe in him. And we have God is the one that quickens our eyes uh, to the worldly self-centered eyes. Jesus is boring and people walk away. All right. And so I hope today the good news of Jesus is beautiful to you and the gospel and God's word is not boring to you. So the second parallel, the first was the eyes. The second is um, what comes out of the mouth? Remember, the baby begins crying right off, learns to get its own way. The mission is all about itself. Um, but when we're born spiritually in Christ, we're born into a world, into a kingdom of God. And right away, our life begins in joy. It's not in crying. We delight in Jesus. And more and more as we grow in Christ, see more of his glory, we we delight more in him. And in his life, his word is not boring to us. All right? And number three, what food goes into our mouth? As, as a child, we, we, we might eat good food and we might eat bad food as we grow up. And that, depend, that makes a difference on whether we're healthy or not. And so we begin a cycle of eating spiritually when we become born again in Christ. This is a great verse, Psalms 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's when we first wake up as a Christian. God, we realize God's word is good. The gospel looks good to us. It's a good thing. It's beautiful. And we taste and see that the Lord is good. We have new spiritual taste buds, and, uh, and we have... We're now set out on a path of life where we're going to be savoring Christ from now on. Now, I don't think I have time to read all or go through all these things, but I do want to finish today by giving you a good diet plan for our new life in Christ. And as Chris was saying earlier, we we don't need to stray from, from God, God's Word. And from the ways of God, but to stay close to God. 
Satan, his total goal in life for Christians, I think, is to trip us up and get us off of our mission and quit delighting and savoring in Christ and to, to kind of develop and acquire a taste for that old spiritual darkness that we used to have, the dark chocolates. Yeah, they, they, they were good, right? It, yeah, but, but they're evil. And they, the high-carb stuff, right, the spiritually high-carb stuff, it makes us sick. And eventually leads us to death. So here's a, here's a new uh, diet plan for you. And remember, it's not just the diet to balance out our life, but it's a new lifestyle change, right? It's not just something for balance in our life so we can eat whatever we want. What's for breakfast in the morning? Psalms 143, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. It's a good way to start the day off. With Jesus. And then on a day like today, it's supposed to be in the 90s. What refreshes you throughout the day? John 7, 37. If anyone thirsts, Jesus said, let him, let him come into me and drink. What about lunch? You guys just ate lunch. Uh, was there a lot of good healthy stuff in that? M- mediocre. Oh, oh, no? Okay. Yeah. All right. A- after Jesus had fed the 5,000 in John chapter 6, the next day... He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. What about an afternoon snack? Will somebody have an afternoon snack here today? Maybe. You think? Maybe. It's possible, right? You know, David did that. I'm not going to read this, but remember King David in the late afternoon, he, he saw Bathsheba out on the rooftop, and he lusted against her. He, he began to, to go back to the, the old worldly lust. And appetite, and he fell into sin. Supper time is a wonderful meal. I, I don't know about you. Uh, I like to go to Big Dan's every once in a while. It's really good. Uh, not everybody can always afford to go out every night on the town and eat big. And some people may say that's the you know I, they can't afford to do that. So uh, they just never go out. But spiritually speaking, there's an even better buffet. Now, don't nobody get mad out there, but it's better than Big Dan's, right? It is. And here's what it says in Isaiah 55, 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. So there's a banquet that God lays out for supper time. And, you know, before bed at night, in closing, I'll say, you know, I like to have a, a cup of herbal tea sometimes. I like the, like the hazelnut chocolate. Have you ever tried that? Ginger is good. Chamomile is good. But spiritually, the Bible says it's okay to eat a full-course meal at night. That's weird, right? Psalm 63.5, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remembered you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. So Jesus is for all throughout the day, guys. Even a midnight snack in the middle. You wake up, right? Psalms 119.62. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. In Psalms 19, 164, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules, for God's law. 
And then finally, the last verse I want to read is we start all over the next day, and there's another purpose. See if you can see it in this text. It's not only for our own satisfaction and our own growth, but there's something else here that's good. Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with the word. He, waken, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. So, so God uh, wants us to share and to, to, to give a good word for those who are weary. That God, where God's comforted us, for us to, to comfort others. That's our mission in life. Um, I mean, Matthew 28, the last words of Jesus, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. But also it says, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So, and, and all the way through, through John, before Jesus dies on the cross, he gives the encouragement along with the fact that they're going to suffer greatly. But the encouragement is over, goes overboard for all we need. Uh, and it's amazing. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word and how it is uh, like the deer that pants after the water. Our soul longeth after you, Lord. And, and you're our, our true delight that the world cannot touch, Father. Uh, help us to find our, our, uh, our, our delight in you every single day and not to acquire a taste for the old world so that our mission in you might be and our witness be ruined, Father. But help us stay close to you and delight in you and grow in you and be healthy and share your love with others. Amen. That was good, Rob, and I enjoyed that. All right. So, Matthew, man, we need a bigger podium, or I need a smaller Bible. That's what it is. All right, so Matthew 19 tells the story of a rich man who came to Jesus in need. For the most part, his life's pretty great, really. We see that he's very wealthy and he's uh, well-liked and well-known. But there's one thing that he's missing. Um, He wants to know the key to eternal life. So we, we read in Matthew 19, 16 that he comes to Jesus and it says, Behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? So um, this guy gets a couple things right. So first of all, he's seeking eternal life. That's, that's a good thing to seek, to, 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 to want to, to live forever. Um, two, he comes to the right place. So he, he knew who had the answer. So he comes to to the to seek uh, the, this, uh, he comes to ask this question to Jesus. So he he wants something that's good and right, and he comes to the right place. Uh, but he also gets some things really wrong. Um, we're not going to look at the full passage, but as as you continue to read through there, we see that this rich man comes with the notion that there's something that he can do to earn eternal life, and so that there's something he can uh, do to 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 work for it or to achieve it. And um, that, that's a pretty common way of thinking, actually. It's, it's really how most of our world works, right? So um, if you want to get a paycheck, 
you, you have to go to work, right? So um, if you want to get a good, good grade in school, you, you have to study and you have to turn in your, your homework, okay? If you want a big promotion, you better show up and outwork all the other people in your, your, your job and pretend like you like your boss, and then maybe you'll get a promotion. So that's how stuff works in our world is, um, man, you, you've got to do something to, to earn something. And this man approaches Jesus in much the same way. He says, what, what good deed do I have to do? What, what way can I achieve eternal life? What, what will gain me entrance into heaven? Now, this is uh, works-based salvation in its purest form. It's saying, God, I'll do something for you, and you give me something. Right? I'll, I'll act a certain way. I'll live a certain way. I'll, I'll check certain boxes. Let's come to some kind of agreement um, and let's, let's strike a deal and um, I'll give something to you and you give something to me, okay? But, but this isn't how salvation works and this isn't how uh, God works or operates. This is a salvation based on works. And, he, and here's why it's faulty thinking, okay? So there's two reasons. Number one, it, it would assume that God needs something from us, which is completely foolish, right? Like what, what can you and I give the, the God of the universe, the creator of everything, okay? He, he um, man, he, he's glorious in and of himself. He's fully satisfied and he needs nothing from us. And number two, it, it would imply that you and I can impress God with some of our works, which is also kind of a, a silly thinking that, that uh, this, this created broken man could in some, some way like catch God's eye and impress him. And he'd say, oh, wow, look at this guy. I really wish I had him on my team. Okay, so both of those are faulty ways of thinking. I'm not going to impress God. And um, even if I could, he needs nothing from me. He's fully sufficient on his own. And so that's what we see with, with, with this man in the story. The thing that, that he doesn't get, and, and many times that we don't get, is actually we're the one, God doesn't need anything from us, but we're the ones who desperately need something from God, right? So it's not like he's setting up there, I need this thing from you. We should come to this realization, man, we are broken and we are, are a people who desperately needs God to show up and do something for us. And really, that's, that's the message of the Bible, and that's the message of the gospel, is that God has done just that. He, he shows up, and he, um, and he intervenes. He sees man that, that's, that's broken in sin and in desperate need, and he comes and he brings salvation in the person of Jesus. So what, what is Jesus going to do, or what is God going to do for us through Jesus, or, or maybe a better way to phrase that is, what has God done through Jesus for us? He went to the cross. Mark 10, 45 tells us that the Son of Man came not to be served. Okay, so remember, there's nothing that, that we can do to serve God. But Jesus came to serve. He came to do something for us, and that's to give his life as a ransom for many. All right, so when I hear that, that word ransom, I always think of you know, like the movie where someone gets kidnapped or you know, they get tied up in a room. And so ransom's when someone's held captive and then someone demands a payment, right? They're like, I've, I've got this person, their life's mine. It's in my hands. And if you want to see him again, I demand you make payment to me. And so when, when we hear that word, we're, we're understanding like using that same imagery, man, we're, we're, we're all held captive to sin, I mean, like we are in its clutches. There's nothing we can do. And, and man, our life is headed straight. We're, we're headed towards death and separation from God. And um, man, a, a ransom has been demanded. And, and the, 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 what, what, what's been demanded is death. And so what we see is um, on, the Christ, or on the cross, Christ comes and he pays our ransom. He gives his life 
in, in our spot. He takes the death that we deserve and, and pays the penalty of sin and death. So um, I, I think that's kind of cool in, in this story. We see that, man, this, this rich man, he's, he's got the right question. He comes to the right place. But actually, it's one of the saddest stories in the Bible because, because he walks away from where salvation is. Um, so you, you see, in, in the story, Jesus says, hey, you want the kingdom of heaven? That's great. Give up your kingdom and you can have it. You know, you can be part of my kingdom. But the man refuses to. He, he, he wants both. And, and the truth is, man, if we want eternal life, man, God, God has purchased it for us on the cross. But that means that we have to lose our lives. It means that we have to, um, to, to give up what, what, is, what is our kingdom in pursuit of his. And um, what, what would have been great is had this man been like the, you know, the parable of the man who finds a treasure in the field. Like that, that's kind of the, the opposite response. This guy who sees that, hey, this thing is so much more valuable that I'm going to go sell everything I have. I'm going to lose it all to gain this one thing. And ha- had the man done that, he would have realized that, that knowing Christ and belonging to him is a far greater treasure. Um, and Jesus actually told him this too. He says, go sell your possessions and you'll have treasure in heaven. He's like, there, there, there's this better thing here, but the man didn't have eyes to see it. And so um, I'm going I'm to close this in prayer. And man, let's, let's ask God to give us those eyes to, man, to, to treasure right things and, and not to be deceived by, by things here that could get in the way. Father God, we, man, we know that there are things that will distract us from you. Um, I, I pray that that wouldn't be, be the case. Help us to be like the man who finds a treasure in the field, who would, who would with joy give up anything that would stand in between us and you, and we would pursue right things. So we thank you for the cross. We thank you that, um, that, you, that you looked down upon us, and you, God, you saw us in our desperate need, and you did something about it. You sent a great rescue. You did that through Christ, and, and you made a way to, to purchase salvation for us. It's not by anything we can do, in, in and of ourselves, but it's all about what Jesus has done on the cross. So I pray that we would be a people filled with faith. I'm not, not saying, God, look at me and what I've done, but, but saying thank you for, for Christ and all that he's accomplished on my behalf and that we would really put our faith in him. Um, I, I pray as we go from this place, God, you would help us to live for your glory and your namesake. Um, man, I, I thank you for these men and, and just their message today. Help, help this Help us really help our lives really be about you and your glory, um, man. Let let us have a real relationship with Christ. Let us see Him as the the most beautiful and treasure Him above all else, and let it show in the way that we live. In your name, we pray. Amen. All right, and and Blake Farley is not here. He said he was going to be here today, so um, I believe what he's probably going to do is is take a, a Facebook Live of himself and tag it to this video. And so that's really awesome of him to do that. Thanks, B- thanks, Blake. So, uh, so thanks for, for joining us today for uh, January, February, March, April, April, bragging on Jesus. Next month is May, so we're going to do something different, I think, May. And maybe you can help us on Facebook we're going to try to change locations for one. So if anybody has a dungeon or something, that, it, or maybe a jailhouse or an outside venue or a bar, I, I would love to go. And we could all go there and brag on Jesus live. So just, just let us know. Message me, and uh, we'll do that. Otherwise, one of the maybe Logan's going to pick something out maybe. So 
Thank you. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father God, thank you for the day and for your word. Thank you that we do have something we can brag on, and that's you, Lord, and not ourselves. And that's when we're most we're most fulfilled when we can brag on you and and put our eyes and keep our eyes on you. And you're our joy and our delight. And be be that all month for us, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks.